this spring. God, thank you for being who you are. The promise keeper, the miracle worker, the rainmaker, the great provider of life. And thank you for that. And thank you for calling us here to this place today to worship you. We give you this time and we give you us. And we pray that you will speak in the power of your spirit through your word. And that we will listen to you gladly. Accept what you would say to us boldly. And commit ourselves to you with surety. Father, we lift our pastor service committee to you. We thank you for them and the work that they're doing. We pray that you continue to bless them and that you hasten the day. When you make known the new pastor who will have the privilege of serving in this place. God, we lift ourselves to you and our nation to you on Tuesday. And we pray that you help our citizens vote and somehow express your will and get in touch with you for the purposes of our nation. God, we pray that you might send an awakening, a revival to this country. May we care about the great needs, the morality, the integrity, the ethics of our people. Would you send that kind of thing that would draw us to you? And Father, may our walk with you be real, sweet, stand for you in every situation that may come our way. We ask in that name that's above every name, even the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Our children may make their way to Children's Church. And children, thank you for leading us in worship today. Awesome. I got to admit to you, I got a little confused but I've had my exercise. These are, of course, very important days in our life, in the life of our congregation. And I do want to encourage your participation, your presence, and your invitation to bring others with you to that Thanksgiving meal. It'll be a, a casual time of worship over there. And uh, we'll spend the time in Thanksgiving, we'll eat together and uh, be blessed together, so you invite others to come, and let's, let's see what God does with that. We're in Second and First Peter, excuse me, and uh, looking at keeping hope alive. Today, open your Bibles to First Peter chapter 4. In reading in verse 1 and read through verse 6, I will share with you that uh, next Sunday we'll look at when Christ comes again. The end is near. And the Sunday following that, God willing, we will look at servant leadership, maybe the kind of person who God will send to be pastor here. Maybe the kind of leaders that we have now and want to continue developing in the church. And then that will conclude our look into 1 Peter 
offering Sunday after that is the Thanksgiving meal, and then we move on into Christmas and, and all of that. So this indeed is a word of God from 1 Peter chapter 4. Listen to it. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same purpose also, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In all this they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation, and they malign you, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For the gospel has for this purpose been preached even to those who are dead, that though they are judged in the flesh as men, they may live in the spirit according to the will of God. May God add his blessing to this reading of, of his word. You may and you may not know the name William Willimon. William Willimon is one of the great preachers in, in America in our time. He was chaplain of the Duke University Chapel. He uh, has been a bishop in the Methodist Church and is finishing out his years in the Duke University Seminary. William Willimon, in a sermon on the resurrection, tells about a time when he and his wife were visiting in England, that far east part of Texas. And uh, they went to a small English town and had car trouble, and while they were getting their car fixed, they explored the town, and they discovered one of those English countryside churches and the cemetery, and cemeteries are profoundly interesting places. They went into it and were looking around, and they discovered in one corner of the cemetery a wall-off area. And it had a plaque on the wall. And it said, we will never forget your sacrifice. Well, they got to looking around and they discovered that it was run over with weeds, unkept. They counted the graves that were, there were 50 graves in there. What they could read of the, of the markers, they were young men, 17 to 25. They were New Zealanders who evidently had died in a time of war. The plaque, we will never forget your sacrifice. They, they wondered what it meant and what it was the men had done. 
they went into town and they discovered there was a museum. They found the curator of the museum and said to him that the cemetery, the Waldorf area where the graves of black, we will never forget your sacrifice. What does it mean? And the curator of the museum looked at them and said, I haven't the faintest idea. But he said, if you'll be here two or three days, I'll do some research on it and I will get an answer for you. Well, they were not going to be there two or three days. So as they walked the streets of the little town, they began to stop people in the cemetery, the Waldorf area, the plaque. We will never forget your sacrifice. But they found the 
internalizing of the Christian faith, not, not looking back over life, even with a sense of some degree of joy to a church somewhere that we enjoyed very much at another time and place, some happy times, or not looking back only to a camp where we felt the presence of God and made some promises to God that we made long since have forgotten. The remnants of some time long ago. What we need is not a sentimentalizing kind of thing, really, but it is to grow up with a God we know very well and dare to trust in any in every situation of life. If hope is going to live, it is going to make a difference in our lives. Somehow we have to get hold of what Peter is really talking about here. Do you remember that last Sunday we looked in the latter part of chapter 3 and verse 18, there are these words... For Christ has died for our sins once for all, the just for the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh and made alive in the Spirit. On the heels of that kind of theme, of that kind of call for you and me, Peter then comes and says, Arm yourselves. Arm yourselves for the same purpose. What does it mean? Well, the same attitude which Jesus had when he came to do the will of God the Father. The the, the same attitude when he said, Not my will, but thy will be done, is to become ours. It is to describe who we are and what we're about. I I would call that a living memorial, wouldn't you? And that is who we are. What's it about? Well, it is a radical commitment to God's will. That really is what's being described for us in the latter part of the first verse in chapter 4 when we come to faith in Christ. It's a real look at who we are without Christ and our manner of life in sin. And there's a willingness to call sin, sin. And then we forsake that sin and turn from it. And sometime today you'll get over to Romans chapter 6 and read there about what baptism is really about. You will find that it's a dying to an old way of life. It's a burial to an old way of life. And it's a raise up experience to walk in a new manner of life. That is what baptism is all about. Having died to sin, then we turn from it and turn to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And when you think about it, that is what really makes us a Christian. It's really not asking when we ask if one is born again or is a Christian, whether or not you've been baptized, although baptism is extremely important.
permits the uniform. And frankly, if you're not willing to follow him in baptism, you probably haven't met him as Lord. We're not really asking if a person is a religious sort of person. That's really not what it's about. What it means is is having a point of view in your life that you're willing to turn from sin, to die to that old way of life, to receive Jesus into your heart, and to live for Him in a lifelong relationship with Him. That has everything to do with life. And that has everything to do with a sense of stewardship, of our our wanting to do and be exactly in the will of God. Do you want to do the will of God? In a delightful time, Pat and I did last Wednesday. We went over to Spring Branch, Texas. I have two cousins to whom we grew up very close living over there. One of those cousins was talking about her son high school band director, junior high band director in Houston, he called his daddy one day and said, Dad, I'm thinking about going to Harrison, Arkansas to be minister of music in the church. I believe it's the will of God for me. Dad, what do you think about that? And Dad said, Son, we raised you. leading you to do that. I don't see that you have a choice or why you need to ask us. So he turned around and called his mom. Said the same thing to her. She said the same thing back to him. Son, we raised you to do the will of God. God's calling you. He said, Mom, that's not really what I want to hear from you. Uh, I'm 
not talking about play acting, but it sort of gets into that. Peter says, you've had enough of that. You, you've had enough time for lust. You've had enough time for the, the desire of every kind. It can mean sexual desire. It can mean unwholesomeness. But it can also mean the desire for anything that doesn't go through the will of God for you. If you have no concern for what God is willing and, and, and saying, that's why I say it sounds like our, our world today. Is there the word for drunkenness or carousal for drinking parties for abdominal idolatries? It's the natural part of what it is to be lost. It's a natural part of what it is to be outside the will of God and the purpose of God for you. And there comes a time that's not enough and, and you, you, you meet Jesus Christ as your Savior and he invites you to come and die to all of that and it's mark every area of life after that Wang Li was a citizen of China a child of wealthy Chinese parents who themselves committed
notice how Peter puts it in verse 4. And in all this they are surprised that you do not run with them in the same excess of dissipation and they malign you. Peter says they don't understand. Uh, they, They think you're weird. They think you hold strange beliefs. They think that you have some sort of freedom that they they don't have and they don't have a clue really. Do you want to ask yourself what it is that they want to share with you? Well, it could be things like AIDS or herpes or syphilis or COVID. They want to share with you what it's like to wake up the next morning and not having a clue about where you've been or what you did the night before. They want to wake they want you to wake up with them having enjoyed what is called a good life for the sake of self and yet being a prison of their own in a prison of their own making. That's what he says. Peter does not say it is not natural for them to want that. Indeed, he says it's a natural thing for those who are outside to see that is the very purpose of life. And he says they're going to malign you and because they do not understand it's natural. Now, now let me interrupt just a second and, and, and remind you, all of us really, uh, of a couple of things. One is we need friends. And we particularly need the friends who are going to influence us
had the joy of looking at Jesus and saying, my Lord and my God, why not today? You, you, you may feel that the commotion in your heart. Today, you just got to deal with it. That, that's the time. What we see, I look at him, you slip to the front and say, James, I want to receive Christ. I want to know Christ. It's my also need a church home. Family of God. Maybe God has spoken to you about making this church your church. If that is you, you may come today. Uh, you may need the altar. You're welcome to come and pray. If you need somebody to pray with you, I'm happy to pray with you. So as we sing, let's all worship. Let's all give. And as we God calls us for that special. Let's respond to Him. Would you stand with me? Praise man's going to lead us. I'll meet you here.
thank you for being here today and being a part of worship in the First Baptist Church of Mason. Continue to pray for your search committee. Continue to pray for your world. We need a fresh touch call from God. His standard of life. But you know the tragedy of what Peter is talking about. So many people not knowing, not realizing that they have God's love for them. And that's the calling that we share. So remember all the opportunities you have. Take some of those invitations. There'll be somebody who will want to come have lunch with us. Praise band's going.